Hi, Tom. Hi, Steve. You guys are so funny. Have a great show. It's totally wicked. Welcome, everybody, to Masters of Profundication. I'm Tom Witham. I'm Steve Files. And today we're going to start off with a new segment I like to call things that we forgot to talk about last week that we're going to talk about this week. <laughs> it's always a good way to start, I guess. That'd be yes. weird to put it at the end. So, yes. Yeah, because I have notes from last week that I we didn't talk about. It was actually it was a question that I wanted to pose to you, uh-huh. being, being the the resident Bible expert. <laughs> More than I wish I was, yes. Um, and it wasn't completely specific to horror movies. Oh, wait, I do remember your your picture that you posted about your notes. And I remember something about the Bible on there thinking, oh, we never talked about that. We didn't. And I think that it's a little bit of a trope. Yeah. Why in cinema, in horror movies, love to pick on the Bible. Why do they always pick on the Bible with ah there's so many loose ends. So many loose ends. Oh, your silly little book. There it's it's worse than it I just I feel like that is rampant whenever the Bible is talked about that like the Bible is an evil document that conjures like I'm not oh there's so much more in your Bible that is evil than is good. I, it's it's in the mist. It's in Oh, Fire, uh, in Firefly, it's in like. Oh, so it's it, like somebody pointing out that all all the bad stuff in the Bible outweighs all the good, you know, nice love your neighbor stuff. Is that what yeah, you mean? Like, uh, like River and Firefly when she tears all the pages out of the Bible and puts it back in order, and she says to Shepherd, "Book, um, I fixed your book for you. It seemed to be out of order. It was like, okay, well, the Bible is an easy target for." That kind of stuff. And then I watched The Mist TV show, and it pits like it turns a priest into the bad guy. He does actually turn into a bad guy, but before you know he's a bad guy, there's a woman who, um, she's like very earthy and clearly like the Bible. She, I don't know. It's not clear. She's not a religious person at all, but this is the TV show. The TV show, The Mist, and she's talking about. Like he says, like there are answers in the Bible for what's going on. And she's like, I'd never liked your Bible. This is just so many loose ends. It's it's like, those are two examples I can think of off the top of my head. I guarantee I could come up with some more. It just seems to me that like my, the only way I can think about it is like, there's so much in horror and so much about thrillers and sci-fi and stuff that revolves around the occult. Mm -hmm. The occult usually deals with like, supernatural conjurings you know speaking words and things appear and like i never read the bible all the way through start to finish i've always just read like the blurbs and bits and pieces that have been you know like oh you should read this passage because it talks about you know if you're having trouble with a relationship you need to read this part of the bible and if (laughs) if your team wants to win the super bowl you need to read this passage and you know it's just if you want to make money, to you got a passage for yeah. that. Right. But if you so, hate money, there's a passage for that. Yeah. So, I don't know. It it doesn't help itself, I guess, by being hard to read. But I don't know. Just somebody who grew up studying the Bible, I just didn't know if you had any insight into why it's such an easy target. Well, I mean, the the short 
trite answer is it's easy, easy target because it's we're making movies in America in the Western world where mm-hmm. the Bible is all pervasive. You know, you're not gonna even if you're somebody that's not religious, you're not gonna escape the Bible. So you're not gonna have well for a multitude of reasons. You're not gonna have an easy target where somebody disses the Quran. What's once again for a multitude of reasons, but right or even something like the what's the the Vedas or whatever from Hinduism or the well, I would say the Torah, but that is still part of the Bible. So, But any other religious holy book, you're not going to have that be an easy target because just for the easy fact that nobody knows what the hell you're talking about. But most people have an idea of what's in the Bible, the flood, the Adam and Eve, the snake, the Sodom and Gomorrah, whatever you want to talk, all the big stories, you know, Daniel and the lion's den. So uh, it's a quick, easy way for audience to say, A, I know what you're talking about. B, the Bible is supposed to be a symbol for what's good. So the examples you use, it's not... It's not universal, I guess, but look who's the, who. Look who the people are who are dissing the Bible. You either got the bad guys or the damaged people. Like River is mentally unstable, or you got a pre like uh, the woman in the mist who's super hard. The mist, the movie, not the TV. Right, but, yeah, right. The woman super, in the grocery store. Right, she's super hardcore into the Bible, so she's using all the bad passages because that's what that's how you that's how you know who's bad because the people that are using the hardcore, very draconian. You know, thou shalt not do this, 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 and this. You're going to get stoned for X, Y, and Z. That's the shortcut to, okay, this guy's an asshole because you're using the bad parts of the Bible. But the good guy is the one that's going to say Jesus loved everybody and wanted you to turn the other cheek and stuff like that. So it's a very easy, very quick shortcut to showing who's a good guy, who's a bad guy. Aha, uh-huh. that it's- makes a lot of sense that as a storytelling device, it right. gives you the ability to decipher you know who's a without who's spending a, too much time on character building or exposition yes you can say okay this is the woman that's talking about <clears throat> you know the harsh judgments set forth in the old testament so she must be crazy and or a bitch you know like i, I keep thinking <laughs> of the mist the movie yeah. or yeah. Any, any 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 movie like that. if you watch a movie where the guys guy or woman whoever the more hard and fast and literal they uh, in their religion they are the more you can be sure that they're a bad guy yeah. every time. But yeah, the that ones makes that are vaguely religious or like they just kind of smile when you talk about all the inconsistencies and in whatever religious text you're talking about. And they're just kind of like, man, you just got to have faith. God's going to come through. It's You got to believe in love. They're the good guy every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, non, the non-religious, yeah, they're the bad guys. They're always the bad guys. I'm sorry. <gasps> you're the villain. I am a villain. I, I admit it. Yeah, I want to take over the world and sacrifice babies to my non-god wait no <laughs> atheist don't do that what am i darn or the spaghetti monster yeah well you know if you're gonna get sacrificed to something go to the place with pirates and beer volcanoes and i can't remember there's a whole <laughs> thing about the spaghetti monster what they had beer volcanoes and their the spaghetti monsters chosen prophets were pirates ah oh, what was it some about pizza i don't know it was awesome though i watched um last week uh my movie on scientology it's a British guy did a documentary on Scientology, oh, okay. and I don't know what it is about Scientology. It just absolutely fascinates me. Like, oh yeah, I, just the, and I don't care about Scientology. It's the people that are so just crazed about Scientology. <laughs> it's fantastic. It, the people that are, I mean, it's a cult. But let's be honest here. What's the difference between a cult and a religion? Um, yep. the the amount of time it's been around. Yeah, that's. I mean, I don't really have a joke here. <laughs> the difference between a cult and a religion is time and a dead founder. Well, they got a dead founder. Give it a little bit more time, and 
legit religion. I guarantee it. If Scientology yeah. still has a significant number of followers, I don't know, 50, maybe 100 years from now, nobody's going to think twice about it. It's going to be a legit religion. Yeah. In that's fascinating. Yeah. I, I, Just people's, the, psycholog- the, the psychology, like that and Mormonism. Mormonism is batshit insane. But when you look at it objectively, yeah, it's not any weirder than everything else out there. Yeah. I mean, not even just other Christian denominations, but Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, Zoroastrianism. I don't, whatever you can, whatever ism you can point your finger at, it's going to be just as crazy when you get down to it. Right. I mean, Islam has horses and chariots flying up in the sky. I mean, it's all crazy, but Mormonism's a new, a new crazy. So it's more fascinating to me. Scientology is even newer. So it's even more fascinating. Yeah. There's, um, that that documentary and then um going clear that's a good one yep that's a good one i watched that and then the woman that was in that tv show king um, of queens yeah she has a show on a and e that's about oh she was in king of queens but before she was in king of queens she was in saved by the bell just saying was she yeah for one season (laughs) when they were at the where that were at the the beach house they all worked at a, a beach resort for a summer she was in that she was zach's love interest I didn't know that. Now you do it. Now you're enriched. You're welcome. I am enriched. You know who else is just absolutely bonkers and I love it? And this actually, while everybody else was watching the eclipse, yeah. like you could go on YouTube and watch a live broadcast from wherever the eclipse was. Like the, I don't know if it was the Weather Channel or NASA or there was a there was a channel that was live streaming on YouTube. Wait, wait, can I just say? YouTube, probably okay. Facebook, not good. I saw two different <laughs> videos put off on Facebook of the eclipse is happening. Go watch it. Let's see. One was a guy putting his balls in front of the camera, <laughs> and the other was a dildo. So, yeah. And I well, fell for both of them. They and friends posted those. So I'm like, okay, that's... Hold on a second. Like, were they specific about what was eclipsing? Because that technically... Oh, there's like a, there's like a, like a, a light, like a, a, a circular light at the distance, and also you saw... A, like a ball sack, just kind of drifting forward. <laughs> it's very artistic. I'll give it that. Uh, no, this is YouTube. And, <laughs> YouTube, uh, well, you could still get that, though. Oh, it's I'm sure. Out. But this was like from the NASA channel or whatever. But I left that because down, I w- as I was watching the YouTube live stream of the eclipse, in the bottom left-hand corner of the computer screen, up popped another live stream from the Flat Earth Society to nice. live stream about... <laughs> why the eclipse was proof that the earth was flat and it was awesome i just the the thing that makes me laugh the hardest is i guarantee you these flatter society guys and women because uh, i know they exist too what is it um tila tequila is a, a flat earther or some shit like that <laughs> that's what i understand yeah anyways they're posting this flat earth conspiracy tweets and whatnot from their phones which have a gps app on it <laughs> that has no possible way to work without the Earth being a sphere. <laughs> well, no. I mean, there could be magic. There's a there's a big fishing pole holding the satellites up in the sky. <laughs> yes. But NASA has a, has a hidden with a cloaking device to because they try to fool everybody. Oh, some of those flat Earth videos are so much fun to watch. And <laughs> so these flat Earth people had uh, like round Earth pe- or sphere Earth people <laughs> that were... Like joining I, I like, in, that has to be its designation. Like you're a flat earther, I'm a, I'm a round earther. Not what it really is. You're a flat earther. I'm sane. 
<laughs> That's right. Okay. You and there's everybody else. Yeah, they had sane people on to argue with them. <laughs> and just to watch that argument, it, it was way better than any stupid eclipse. <laughs> oh, it was so good. It's still yeah. available. I'm yeah, sure you can go watch it. it. Anyways, this was worth a spit. <laughs> Uh, that being said, there is a little bit of evidence that the world could be flat. I mean, you can't see the curvature of the Earth from your house. It depends on where your house is. Well, if, you're, if you have a house overlook at the ocean, you absolutely could see the curvature of the Earth. No, that's your imagination. No, you're right. That's that's the government. It's the conspiracy. That's right. It's Every time I look out my window, they spike my drink with LSD, so I think I'm seeing a stuff going down over the horizon that's not that's uh, it's all blown wide open now the truth is out there the earth's flat and doomsday's gonna come when god flips us like a fucking quarter oh i can't wait for that day <laughs> well no not god it'll be the spaghetti monster the spaghetti monster's gonna get sick of our shit cthulhu's gonna get sick of our shit <laughs> it's gonna wake up and crawl over the edge like the sea monsters from the old maps where they said if you go too close to the edge you're gonna you know, here there be monsters, and they drew like dragons in the water. That was Cthulhu. It all comes together. Oh full my god! Circle. <gasps> nope. Full flat. Full. F- well, circles are flat. Maybe that's <laughs> just your mind. That's that's true. Maybe circles are spherical. I just haven't seen all the way around. Yep. <gasps> How can you be seeing the backside if you're looking at the front side? Right. If I go to look at the backside, somebody could have. Yeah. How can you see the front side if you're looking at the backside? It's, you know, I can't see two sides at once. Oh my god! You're right. Hmm. Mind blown. <laughs> it's a thinker. Uh, uh, oh. It is, a thinker. it is totally a thinker. Are we talking about thinkers today? Thinkers are something we should be talking about today, I think. <gasps> I think about thinkers. Uh, thinkers. I'm thinking that I want to talk about thinkers. There we go. I'm agreeing What's about What's a thinker? thinker? Is that a whole genre all by itself? Are we calling this genre thinkers? I think so. <laughs> I'm going to... I feel like I'm going to say think a lot then be aware that I say think a lot because we're talking about thinkers and it's going to get in my way. So if I stumble over the word think, I apologize. I don't know why. I'm hyper aware of the word think right now. What is a thinker? So if we're doing another genre, like we did horror last week, we're doing thinkers this week. A thinker would be, I think specifically, see, I can't can't, can't get past the fact that I'm going to say think a lot. Think again. (laughs) Ah, okay. I'm just going to power through. Anyways, I... I ponder that it's, it's, I think it's specifically for movies. Like there's definitely very complex, very in-depth multi-layered books you can read and TV shows. But when people say thinkers, they're really thinking about movies particularly, particularly. Yeah. Because those are the ones that like a, a TV show that's a quote unquote thinker. I feel like becomes something like twin peaks where it's just weird for weird sake. Well, I was actually going to bring that up because okay. I I put thinkers in two different categories. So do I, but I'm guessing they're different categories. So four categories, mm. my two categories well, plus your two categories combined. Unless they overlap. We'll find out. What's your two categories? My two categories are actual entertainment mm-hmm. and then art house shit. <laughs> I think that there are thinkers for, well, let's just say movies that you watch and then they reveal something at the end that make you want to watch it a second time because it revealed something that yeah. makes you think. Those are good thinkers. They're entertaining. Uh, there are other movies that are like film student jerk-off sessions, just like right. m- movies that are not supposed to make sense. They're supposed to t- take you off guard and 
put you into a, a mode of dread or some other emotion that makes you watch it a different way on different viewing. Um, I'll give you an example of a movie that's just art house shit. Uh, mm-hmm. Punch Drunk Love. You ever heard of it? Yeah, Adam Sandler, right? Yeah, Adam Sandler did that movie. See, and I never is, watched it, but I remember when it came out, people hailing that as like a tour de force and Adam Sandler's foray into drama as a success. And I, I actually always meant to watch it, but I never got around to it. It's quite possibly the stupidest fucking movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Well, there you go. <laughs> so that's my opinion. It's art house shit. Yeah. Absolute shit. Um, but then you take something like 12 Monkeys mm-hmm. that you're watching the whole thing. You're watching the whole thing. You're watching the whole thing. And then, boom, something is revealed at towards the end that makes you rethink about what you just watched. Right, and you, right, right. And you, You're like, oh, my God. I want to go watch that a second time, maybe a third time, to pick out some things that make me think. Uh, See? Fight clubs like that. Right. Especially Fight Club. And 12 Monkeys, I agree with you, but I feel like that's entry-level thinker movie. Like, it, it is what it is, and there's like a bit of a, a reveal or a twist at the end that you're like, oh, okay, you know, when he sees himself. I I agree with you. I would put that on the level of like the usual suspect. Right, exactly, it, where it's more of a twist ending rather than a multi-layered. Something at the very end makes you go, oh my God, all that shit I just watched, I have to think about that. And I yeah. might have to go watch that again to think about it some more because it impacted me so much. Those are the entertainment entertaining thinkers to me so um go ahead. that's that does overlap with one of the categories i was thinking of i didn't call it entertainment but i called it so the the most popular probably the most pervasive one i'm thinking of is what i would call the the um the reveal for want of a better word mm-hmm. where you're watching it and weird things that the, the mystery is happening and then you get to the end and they reveal what's the the point of it the shtick the the the, the nub of the whole thing that the, the key to it basically at the end of the movie they reveal this is what's been going on the entire time. Then you go, oh my God, I didn't even see that. Like, that's amazing. It all fits together. But that's kind of it. Like You could dwell on it and you can go back and watch it again and, and pay attention to all the stuff you missed the first time that were clues. But it is what it is. There's no deeper meaning besides this is the key to the mystery that we set up. So Okay. And I know we're going to get into both of these movies a little bit. I'll tell you, I know where you're coming from and I'll... I'll tell you that Memento for me falls into that category. Yes, exactly. Or Fight Club was one too. Memento, if you look up a list of movies that are thinkers, there are movies, or, or like Memento is going to be number one on half of those lists. Mm-hmm. Primer is going to be on the other half of number right. ones because they're two, they're both thinkers, but they're two different kinds of thinkers. And the one that you described is Memento. Like, right. That is a thinker. That is one of those things that like you reach the end and you're like, what the fuck did I just watch? I have to talk about this with somebody. I have to, you know, get this. I have to sort this out in my mind where primer is like, because it's not really clear on Mm -hmm. sequence. It's, it's filmed out of sequence and you don't know if you're watching something during one time or the other. It's, intentionally like that yeah and that's i put primer in my second category which is dwellers where yes that's this is what i call it where once you watch it you are still there's still mystery there's still like what did i just see like i'm not sure what happened and you got to rewatch it 
and you might rewatch it, pick up something you did not even realize because they don't spell it out. Right. Well, don't always just cut and cut and paste it, black and white. Say, okay, this is what this is the key to the entire mystery. It all comes together now. So, like primer or, and then you know, I'm going to say it. Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko. Well, okay. Here's the thing. That's a very slippery slope, I think, because you have movies that are can actually they're meant to be interpreted multiple ways on multiple viewings. Yes. Uh, stuff like Mulholland Drive. Yes, I put that in the second category. The you got to watch it again and dwell on it to try to figure out what's actually right. happening because you can interpret it one way on the first watching. Yep. Interpret it a second way on the second watching. Then you might have a conversation with somebody. And interpret it a third way after you've talked to somebody and gotten a, another opinion. The first time I saw that movie, I really had no idea. This is David Lynch all day, every day, where I, I really had no idea. Like, I don't, I don't get, you know, this is engaging. I feel like it's captured my imagination, but I don't know how to interpret it. I actually, we we talked about this briefly about Mulholland Drive, and I heard a, an explanation, but the person that did this explanation says, this is what I thought of it. I can't say, honestly, this is what David Lynch uh, meant meant it to be mm-hmm. so l- i'll go through it real quick with you if you remember did i don't know how long ago you saw Mulholland drive oh it was over a decade yeah me too now <clears throat> just saying if you uh are intrigued by Mulholland drive there is a definite reason you should watch Mulholland drive if you are familiar with the actress naomi watts yeah she the, the lead in the ring i think this might have been like her first major role but uh lesbian scene pretty <laughs> good lesbian scene just um, saying I'll I'll say that the one thing that has stuck with me, I didn't remember there was that scene, but um The lesbian scene? Fuck, yeah, I, I didn't talk. <laughs> um, you disappoint me, sir. Well, it probably came at a time when I was oversaturated with lesbian porn. Let's just be honest. <laughs> uh no. Yeah, uh, back then, back back in the day. <laughs> I remember the scene where she's doing the uh read the audition yeah. and she reads it. That's a, a key way. scene. Yes. Yeah. Because the movie changes after that. Right. And so, anyway, well, I just what I read, what makes sense to me is basically you have Naomi Watts' character who was, I think her real name was Diane, but it wasn't. So this glamorous woman has amnesia. She gets found by Naomi Watts. They kind of, you know, tease around a little bit. Try, Naomi Watts is trying to find her, help her find out who she is and where she came from, her identity. They lesbian, lesbianate it up, as one does. Mm-hmm. That's weird, right? Lesbianate. I'm pretty sure. I think so. And, you know, they're all in love. They go to this club where this woman sings a uh, Spanish version of uh, Crying, which is actually pretty good. I actually downloaded the MP3. Anyways. Illegally. And what's that? What? I didn't say anything. No, I, <laughs> I, I didn't hear you. I feel like you made fun of me, but I'm going to just power through and move on. I did not make fun of <laughs> okay. you. I, just, I, uh, I mentioned something that was obvious. <laughs> no, it wasn't obvious. I don't know. You said you downloaded it via MP3, and I said illegally. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. Um, but yes, so they uh, they both pass out and then wakes up and like, Naomi Watts' life is shit. The woman has her memory back. She's dating this director. Naomi Watts keeps wanting to get back with her and the woman's like, no, 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 get away from me, we're over. So basically, and then at the end, Naomi Watts sees like these little tiny old people coming after her and then she shoots herself. Boom, end of the movie. And a lot of crap happens in between. But basically, the explanation I saw is the first part is Naomi Watts's fantasy about what she wishes her life had happened. Where what really happened was this naive girl comes from the Midwest to Hollywood to try to make it big. And they show this part where she's like practicing lines and she's terrible. But then 
in real life, she meets this woman. They kind of have an affair. The woman moves on and finds a hooks up the big Hollywood director and leaves Naomi Watts behind. She has to become a um, uh, a, a, a a waitress, you know, doing the whole Hollywood cliche thing. Can't really be big as a star. Has to work at a restaurant. Ends up killing herself because she can't. You know, her life is shit. But the first part is her fantasy where she's because she when the scene where she does the the audition, she nails it. She's amazing. She's like a, an amazing actress. That's part of her fantasy. That's part of her wanting to. Which, which she always wished would have happened. She's in love with this woman. This woman doesn't have this baggage that so she has amnesia. She's an amazing actress. She's making it big in Hollywood. All the things she wished would happen didn't happen. It's a fantasy she had the moment before she shot herself in the face. The end. Not selling it for me. So, but that does take a lot of the thunder out of it, right? Just the yeah. idea that that's all it was is a woman who was had a shitty life, had this elaborate, weird ass fantasy killed herself i'm yeah. sitting there like okay it fits but it takes the shine off of it you know yep it does and that's the problem with a lot of these thinkers these multi-layered stuff is if you do finally crack that code and get down under the layers you're gonna find that the person that wrote it they're not geniuses they're not like some kind of weird idiot savant that can just forge this this uh narrative of fiction that's just this structure that's amazing and multifaceted and full of easter eggs and strange reveals no it's this person that had an idea for some weirdness and then you filled in the blanks yourself right to make it bigger than it was and maybe they were weird for weirdness sake yes and that's that's the difference that's you get you get some obvious ones that i think are weird for weirdness sake which are the movie equivalent of a modern art painting right what i was my my thing with art has always been if i can recreate it in 15 minutes i don't consider it art Somebody else can, you know, I'm not going to shit on somebody's tastes, but I personally don't consider something artistic if I can personally, with no artistic talent, recreate the whole thing in 15 minutes. And that's a lot of this modern art stuff is. It's a mirror. You're just going up to it and you're seeing what you're putting into it. Right. Which... Well, I I have to say that there's a, there's a short list of movies that I absolutely hate. I hate them. I hate them that they exist. Yeah. I hate the fact that I've spent time watching them. <laughs> I live against them. Uh, Mulholland Drive is one of them. Um, see, I still like Magnolia. It, after hearing that, but Magnolia, did you ever see that? Uh, one time, yeah. Yeah, did not like that in any way, shape, or form. Felt like I wasted my time. Signs is another one. Yeah, but I would not get to that thinker. Like I wouldn't put any M Night Shyamalan's in the thinker no, category. But there is one um, that I hated, but I actually enjoyed the fact that I watched it. The box and I'll. I'll no, fuck the box. But uh, Barton Fink, have you ever heard of that? Yeah, no, I watched it because that was one of the homework assignments you gave me, remember? Right. John Goodman, John Turturro. Yeah. Um, Coen Brothers. It was Coen Brothers. And what ended up happening was way back in the day, um, I had a friend who, something about Barton Fink. <laughs> Sorry, I just what? remembered a Simpsons episode. <laughs> Spit it out. We have to have a Simpsons reference. Millhouse and a bunch of other elementary school kids are trying to talk Bart into going with them to sneak into an R-rated movie. And the R-rated movie they're going to sneak into is Barton Fink. And they they drive away going, Barton Fink! Barton Fink! Terrible <laughs> choice to sneak into. But I had a, a friend who was like, so seen Barton Fink. I was like, oh my god! I can't believe you haven't seen Barton Fink. I can't believe you haven't seen it. So let me borrow it. Mm-hmm. This movie... And it was like, but it was filled with so much symbolism that it was very intriguing. I don't well, know how a, to explain it. 
it has some very stark like sit with you scenes in it especially towards the end with john goodman you're like oh my god and, but it it didn't like rescue the film for me i didn't i didn't find it entertaining i don't know how to explain it, it it's kind of like something watching something bad because you will see bad things hmm. it was just not put together well it wasn't a good movie as far as i was concerned but there were themes and there were things in it that i i felt like person wanted me to see the movie so i would have these questions and and we'd talk about them and we'd hash them out and talk about the interpretation each of us came away with. And what was so disappointing to me, we'll be back to him and said, okay, let's talk about Barton Fink. And I gave my, this long dissertation of like, Oh, it's hell. And he, you know, he, he moved out there and died and then he went to hell. And this is all, all the things that happened to him and everybody. And he's like, Oh man, I just like the movie. I don't know like any of that. Stuff. Oh, geez. It was like the biggest letdown that he had nothing to contribute. No interpretation, oh, no yeah. idea about any of the symbolism. It was just he thought it was a good movie. And I'm sure he thought it was a good movie because it was a Coen Brother movie. So <laughs> I was like, you're a fucking moron. Don't, don't ever don't ever tell me I should go watch another movie ever again. <laughs> I I don't understand people like that. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to be delicate here because I don't want to shit on people, but I just don't understand people that can watch. I, I get I get it if you watch a complex movie. And you shrug your shoulders like, I don't get it, so I don't like it. I understand that. I can respect that. But people that watch, and I've known these, people that watch like a complex, multi-layered, mysterious movie like that, that exactly like your friend, that have no idea what's happening and don't have don't want to bother trying to guess what's happening. They're just like, oh, that was a weird part. I kind of like when that, you know, that building caught on fire. That was kind of cool. So they will say, oh, I liked it. But they have... They don't even bother to try to delve into the mystery. I'm like, no, you got to think about it. Just think, just, just sit down. I want to tie you to a chair and I want to make you sit down. And I'm going to make you find five things that you uh, think is a symbol for uh, something else, a metaphor or something. Right. I need you to do this for me because I can't understand you otherwise. Yeah. Well, I, I thought it was just a big trap because his taste otherwise was good. So anyway, <laughs> Barton Fink, anybody listening, don't bother going to watch it. Unless you've got somebody to act as a sounding board to to talk about it, because it's not a fulfilling movie. See, now I feel like the Coen Brothers jump around a little bit. Like my favorite Coen Brothers movie is Raising Arizona. Uh, Raising Arizona. Arizona. Yeah, and that's weird, but it's not mysterious weird. It's just quirky weird, you know. Very quirky, and yeah, I like I my favorite. Well, Raising Arizona is my favorite. My second favorite would be Oh Brother Where Art Thou. See, I would have thought and that, that gets... you said that was your favorite. Honestly, well, there's just too much that, like i don't know raising arizona is entertaining start to finish oh so it, great like, it is such a good movie i love oh brother where art thou i think that hit me at a right time like maybe if i had watched that movie now it wouldn't have been as spectacular for me i i, I mean george clooney in that movie is unbelievable yeah it gets a lot of shit i have to de- i feel like i defend that movie a lot and maybe that just builds up why i like it so much but i don't know it's it's good. I think it stands the test of time because you know what it's based on, right? You know what it's an allegory for, basically. Yeah, the uh, op- not the Opus, um, the Odyssey. The Odyssey. That's what I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah, Homer. So I mean, that's like a timeless story that I feel like Oh Brother, We're Out There will would stand up over time easily. Yeah. And it's a period film to boot. So sure. I mean, it's here's a, here's a thinker for you. What Coen Brothers movie do you think is John Goodman John Goodman's favorite? <laughs> Uh, I'd have to sit down with a list in front of me and just pick one out. I no, I no. Really... Which one do, does do you think John Goodman would say was his favorite? I don't know. Like I said, I because like, he's in all of them. So 
Right, but I would have <laughs> to I'd have to look at a list of the Coen Brothers movies because they're not all perfect. I like um, they did the Big Lebowski, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I like that movie. That one gets a lot of criticism as well, but. I heard somebody once say that that's never a movie you can watch sober and appreciate. Not true, because I appreciated it. Uh-huh. But I've uh, I actually told somebody that we work with that it was very very funny, and they went and watched it, and they came back and said it was shit. <laughs> See, because they were sober, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't know. The dude, the, the dude, dude abides. abides. Yeah. It's the rug, I, man. It ties I mean, the room together. <laughs> I don't know why you put my head back in there. Let's keep looking for it. Uh, so we've mentioned a lot of movies. What's your favorite thinker? Oh, well, no, never mind. I know the answer to that. Donnie yeah, Darko. yeah, you do. But we haven't spent a lot of time talking about Donnie Darko. Let's talk about Donnie Darko. Because so, I'll tell yeah. you that mine is the short answer. I think when I watch Donnie Darko, which I've watched it like one and a half times, um, and I've watched some of the things like surrounding it, some of the like reaction videos and stuff mm-hmm. like that, um, I feel like Donnie Dar, and you're watching his falling into madness. That's just what it feels like. That's what it felt like to me. It was very much this kid seeing things and hearing voices and stuff, and it's him well, the whole time. There's something to that because I I don't think that, but there's that's one of those things that's open up to your interpretation. That's why I put it in that category. So Donnie Darko, if you're going to watch that, I will tell you if you've never watched it, watch the director's cut. It does make like the first time I watched it was not the director's cut and I still loved it. So, you know, you might too, if you just read the regular version, but the director's cut has extra scenes, which are cool, but what it really has that makes it worthwhile, which makes it worth, what makes it imperative is there's a, within the story, there's Donnie Darko gets a hold of this book called the philosophy of time travel. So in the director's cut, on scene transition, they'll have pages from this book, this philosophy of time travel, that fills in the blanks in a way that you would never have filled in. You would never guess otherwise. And explains things, not 100%, but so much to, to a level so much greater than you would have just watching the straight-up theatrical version. So if you're, if you're going to do that, I'd say watch the director's cut. And if you're really interested and you're really into it, go to the official Donnie Darko website. That is, hands down, one of, if not the best websites I've ever seen in my life. Just the way they set it up, the way the, the interface works is super cool. And then it has a lot of information about like background story to, you know, what Donnie Darko, what he went through as a kid before the movie. And there's something about where he was in, like uh, mental institutions and stuff like that. So yeah, one interpretation could definitely be just he's going fucking nuts. But it, that doesn't, I feel like doesn't explain everything. So Donnie Darko is a story of Jake Gyllenhaal getting some no sorry anyway (laughs) (laughs) well that's the thing with thinkers for me at the end i want to know what was it all about just parallel universes well and and that could be i don't know i I, like i don't know so well quick and dirty it's donnie darko there's like a phenomenon where universes can split into a pocket universe and in a certain amount of days 28 days 14 hours six minutes something like that i can't remember exact number Basically, in a month, if somebody doesn't fix things, the entire world will come to an end. And the somebody is Donnie Darko. He's called the Living Receiver, and he has to rejoin the two, the, the pocket universe with the main universe. And to do that, he gets special powers. It's very weird. It sounds goofy, and just describing it, yeah, I get it. But when you're watching it, it's actually very profound, and the sci-fi elements are kind of cool. But that's not what grabs you. The acting is actually really good. I, I agree with that. And the the scenes are set up, you know, that you get this sense of Donnie Darko's life where he's this troubled 
but smart teenager trying to deal with his parents. His parents are trying to deal with the school. The school's trying to deal with the students. Seth Rogen's a fucking bully. It's a weird role for him. <laughs> he he says somebody he like he says he likes Jenna Malone's boobs. It's a strange role for Seth Rogen, but he's in it. Do you think that that movie gets better? Well, would that get better for me knowing what you know about what I need to know? If you sat there and told me, okay, this is about multiple universes and him trying to save the day and maybe give me like a brief explanation of why things are happening in front of me. And then I watched it. Do you think I would like that better? Or do you think think that that would spoil it? No, I think definitely. I mean, we're, we're a lot alike in our tastes. And every time I watched it, like I, I liked it the first time I watched it. I thought it was weird as hell and I didn't understand it, but I liked it. Kind of like a, it was one of those, I sat down, I was like, man, I'm not sure what happened, but this was kind of cool. Me and my brother watched it and we we're both like, yeah, this is, I kind of liked it. But then I started thinking about it and thinking about it. I got more obsessed. So I went to the website and I looked into all the stuff about it. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. So I sat down and watched it again. And having that information from the website revealed a whole new layer to it. So when I rewatched the scenes, it put it into a perspective that I would never have had before. So maybe it's not a good commentary on the movie itself that you can't understand it without outside knowledge. But for me, that's just part of the fun. That's part of the the fact that there is outside knowledge enriches it for me. So I think if you went to the website at the or at the very least watched the director's cut where they had those pages you can read that explain some things, I, I really do feel like you would get more out of it and you would appreciate it more. I can't guarantee it. But I do, I feel like anybody that was serious about trying to like figure out what's going on would find whole new things. Like I just rewatched it again. I, I've watched that movie like 10, 10 or 15 times. And I've just rewatched it again a month or so ago, just for the hell of it. And I, and I, something small dawned on me that had never dawned on me before and for, on the 10th viewing, you know? So yeah, just, and there was nothing consequential, but just something that I did, did not consider, didn't think of dawned on me and it works and it just, inched me more towards a greater appreciation of it. That's why it's my all-time favorite movie. I don't know what it says about me, but I prefer to have, with thinkers, I prefer to have somebody else to talk to about it. If nothing more than to, like, receive my ideas, I don't necessarily need things explained to me, but they it enhances the experience for me if I have somebody to talk to about it. Just just sitting and dwelling on it, it with my own ideas... Some movies like The Matrix, mm-hmm. all that is is a cool kung fu movie to me. <laughs> and, you know, I can have some thoughts about what it means to be plugged into The Matrix and stuff like that. But it wasn't until I actually started talking to people about it that that to me became a thinker. Right. And I and I truly believe The Matrix is a thinker if you want it to be. It doesn't have to be. No, I agree with you. When The Matrix came out, there was two other movies that came out around the same time. I want to say within a year or two that I always considered my, I personally called them my what is reality trilogy. Mm -hmm. And it was the matrix 13th floor and dark city. Now, I don't know if you, did you see all those or just the matrix recently within the last year, watched dark city again. I remember watching it when it first came out on VHS, I rented it and watched it. I had the idea that I liked it. And then I recently rewatched it. I think it was homework. I think that <laughs> it was something that we talked about and I said, I'd okay. go watch it. And I, I went and watched it and I didn't like it. I fucking love that movie. <laughs> yeah. I, but I'm a sucker for, and this is just an aside, a weird divergence. I'm a sucker for telekinesis yeah. in a movie. I don't know why I don't 
it's I don't know what it is about me. If somebody in the movie is using telekinesis, I love it. Love it. I thought you were going to say you're a sucker for neo-noir. Like, well, I'm a sucker for Jennifer Connelly. There's that too. Sinister and shadowy movies. that It was it was cool. I mean, Kiefer Sutherland, Jennifer Connelly. But those three movies all had the same central theme, which is the reality I think I know is not reality whatsoever. And yeah. there's a hidden truth under it, which goes into that category where once they reveal the key to the mystery, then you can go back and watch all those little things that you didn't, re- didn't really know. Of the three of those, I feel like the Matrix is the most simplistic because I mean, a they reveal it pretty goddamn quick, right? Like what the whole deal is, and b there's nothing in there to give it away beforehand. Even the thirteenth floor, eh, you know, there's really nothing that's going to give it away. Although you could kind of rewatch it because the thirteenth floor, the idea is spoilers. But the movies, I feel like the movie's twenty years old. You shouldn't have to say spoilers anymore. <laughs> but uh, the whole thing is, uh, there's a company and this guy, the founder dies, and then. This guy's doing this. He uh, kind of like um, almost inherits a company. His daughter shows up trying to liquidate and shut down the company. He does some investigating, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they're all living in a computer simulation. Oh. And the daughter is jacked in from the outside world. So it's her avatar that's talking to the main character. But the company, what they're doing is making a computer simulation. So a computer simulation made a computer simulation, basically. Minecraft. It's like both. It's like Inception, multi-layered. Um, Vanilla Sky is like that. That was yeah, a thinker dream. within a dream. Well, he was. No, no, it's just a dream. He's yeah, he's he, in a coma. Yeah, yeah, he's in a coma, and he like paid a company to to like manage his consciousness or something like that. Yeah, and, and it starts to fuck up. And at the end, they give him the choice: do you do you want to keep going like this, or do you want to reboot? And in order to reboot, he has to jump off a building. <laughs> right. I don't remember how that whole thing ended. But. It's like how he had to choose Penelope Cruz or something. I, yeah, it's been so long since Cameron I've seen Diaz. that one. No, C- Cameron Diaz was a psycho stalker girlfriend. Penelope Cruz was the one that was his like soulmate or some shit like that. Oh, well, I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah I wasn't I, a rare Tom Cruise. Speaking of Scientologists, because <laughs> I, I tend to like Tom Cruise movies. Yeah, you know, he's actually, he's crazy as shit, but like Tropic Thunder, he was funny in that. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, like thinkers are, that's not, this is not my wheelhouse thinkers. And like, I, I don't want to sound like it because I like a good thinker, mm-hmm. but there's just so many of them that I don't like. I, there, I'm sure there are people that are love the shit out of Magnolia. They love the shit out of Mahalo. Well, see, this is where the, the twist, like, I actually don't consider Magnolia a thinker because I, 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 I I think there's a difference between movies that just have a, a twist at the end and the actual thinkers. Cause I think thinkers are step by step reveals, or like I said, the ones that stick with you a while and you find something new on a second viewing or a third viewing, but like movies with a twist at the end are just that like, I don't consider the sixth sense a thinker, you know, I don't consider, well, uh, no, I do consider Mulholland. I don't consider Vanilla Sky, I think. I think those are movies with a twist, and that it's a very gray area. So it's hard for me to pin down exactly what I mean. Besides just giving examples, so any M Night Shyamalan movie, not a thinker, just movie with a twist. Yeah. Um, Book of Eli would be more of a thinker because I still think that's kind of a bullshit. But it's a, it's a thinker where once they reveal, oh, he's blind, you can go back and watch all the scenes and be like, okay, I see what they did there. Yeah, I see how that worked in this scene. It means more on a rewatch. This scene means more knowing that information. 
there was one I watched today because I, I I did a Google search of top twenty five, top fifty, whatever thinkers, and one popped up on all these different lists. Was called Predestination. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Um, Ethan Hawke, and that's about the only person you would recognize from that movie. And it's actually a really good movie. Is it? What's it about? Yes. Uh, okay. I I I can't describe it without spoiling it. So I'm just gonna say right here, right now, you should watch Predestination, and then. I don't know. I want to spoil it, so I'm going to spoil it. <laughs> or why don't I go watch it and then we talk about it later? Right. No, but I mean, it's 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 time travel, which it's a trope. I annoys me, but it's done well. Like it's time travels the vehicle, but not the point. If that makes sense. Like the, yeah. the plot wouldn't work without time travel. Okay, I'm just gonna say because this is this is like a lesser. I think it came out maybe five or six years ago. No, okay. actually, I want to say it was 2014. Never heard of it. It was under the radar. Really good movie. Even if I spoil it, it's still worth watching. But basically, Ethan Hawke <laughs> is Jean-Claude Van Damme. He, he's a time cop. <gasps> oh. He belongs to this organization, this bureau, where they go, they, they can go back in time and stop tragedies from happening before they happen. Minority he's, Report style. Yeah, but that's not time travel. To well, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Before it happens type of thing. Yeah. Like, it happens, so they go back in time to make sure it doesn't happen. Which falls apart. We talked about that in our time travel episode. Immediately, you're in another universe. Blah 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 blah. Right. Ignoring all that, Ethan Hawke goes. There's this guy called the Fizzle Bomber who is he set a bunch of bombs throughout New York City in the 70s. Finally, set a huge one where it took out like 20,000 people, destroyed 10 city blocks. Wow. It was like a gigantic bomb. So he's and this is a guy he can't stop him. So the movie opens up with somebody surgery. Oh. Can we can we go back because yeah, you totally of. you were gone that whole time. Okay, so the movie uh, starts even, with the movie. Wow, <laughs> back in time. Ah, no. Anyways, the movie starts with somebody getting their face blown up because of a bomb. Okay, basically, like it melts, and that's the key to it. That's how. That's a big clue. They reconstruct the person's face. They talk about your voice. Your your voice was damaged. Flash to Ethan Hawke in the seventies, posing as a bartender, talking to this guy. Blah, 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 blah. The guy says, I have a story for you. If it's not the best story in the world, you know, I'll make a bet. If it's the best story in the, you've ever heard, you owe me this bottle of booze. So Ethan Hawke's like, all right, cool. Tell me your story. So the guy tells a story. He wasn't born a guy. He was born a girl. <gasps> Ooh. And it's not one of those movies. It's, it's, a, it's a thing. He was born a girl, grew up in an orphanage. He was dropped off in an orphanage. She was dropped off in an orphanage. Grew up. He was, she was very smart, pretty tough, got a lot of fights, but could never get adopted, never anything like that. Went through life, this whole like alternate universe space agency, doesn't really matter. Met a guy who she fell in love with, and she was very socially awkward, so this is the first time she's ever been in love. She never had sex. Met this guy, fell in love, boned him, got pregnant, gave birth to the kid. This doctor talks to her and says, you're very unique. You're actually born with male and female genitalia. Because we had to do a C-section, your, your internal organs were damaged enough that we had to give you a hysterectomy, so we're going to make you a man. Oh, so they make her into a man. So she's like, well, that sucks. But whatever, I got to do what I got to do. Where's my baby? Oh, somebody kidnapped the baby mm-hmm. out, of the, out of the hospital. So she, this is, that's a long and short of the story she's telling Ethan Hawke. He's telling Ethan Hawke because she's a dude now. Fully functional penis. There's even this, a line where he says, I'm not even shooting blanks anymore. It's great. What? I know. Well, it's sci-fi. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but she, like, the, the whole thing is like she's biologically unique. He's biologically unique. So Ethan Hawke's like, okay, cool. Come join my agency. We're time cops. And this is very the, the very short and fast, dirty version of it. Okay. So Ethan Hawke's like, we're time cops. I'm going to take you back in time. Boom. They go back to the 1960s. Like he asked her, if I could take the one person who ruined your life, I'm skipping ahead. 
So she falls in love. She gets pregnant. The guy leaves her and she hates him for it. The guy that knocked her up. Yep. She hates him for it. So Ethan Hawke, when he asked her, if I could take the person who ruined your life, would you kill him straight out? And the guy's like, the he, she guy's like, yeah, totally. I totally would. He's like, all right, boom, go back in the past. And he's like, all right, the guy's going to show up. What's that? But, but he's a cop. So he's got to keep the law. Oh, he's going, he's, he's, he's doing under the radar type of thing. He's off the books. Oh, so he's, he's not technically a time cop. He's like a time warrior, I guess. Time mercenary. But it is a government agency. It's like a bureau of time policing thing. Like they say that if he does, if he does unsanctioned jumps, he can't get court-martialed. If you're court-martialed, you're executed. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So they take, he takes this guy back to the past. Ethan Hawke takes the guy back to the past. He says, okay, the guy that's ruining your life is going to show up. Just wait right here. So he's waiting, and then somebody bumps into him. It's the girl. And that's how the girl, when, when the guy's telling his story as when he was a girl, that's how he met the guy that knocked her up, was bumping into him. So he's the guy that knocked her up. Mind blown. Boom. <sighs> he's, he basically knocked up himself, his past version. Like, this girl's like, oh, hey. And he looked at her like, oh, my God, I remember all this. Holy shit. Then he just goes with it. Yep, let's totally, I'm in love with you, which basically means I'm in love with myself. I'm going to have sex with you, but basically I'm going to have sex with myself. Knocks her up. Guess who steals the baby? Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. Guess where he takes the baby? In time to the future. To to the past. To drop off at an orphanage. (gasps) So the baby is the girl. Mom who's the dad. Yes. It's all the same person. It's all the same person. The baby. so, So a guy knocks up a woman to give birth to himself. Oh, and... I, by the by, once it's all said and done, the guy realizes, okay, I knocked up myself from the my passwords or myself. Um, I'm just gonna stay being a time cop was my first case. Oh, I'm gonna stop this bomber. Goes bad, burns his face, changes his voice. He's Ethan Hawk. What? <laughs> so Ethan Hawk is the so okay, so the kid grows up to be a, a hermaphrodite that writes yeah. itself. And then gets its face burned off and becomes the bartender that makes this whole thing happen. Well, yeah, but the bartender was just a cover. That's not the important part. But yeah, it's all Ethan Hawke. Like, Ethan Hawke looks completely different from the guy he's talking to at the bar. But the reason is because after the whole flames on the face thing, they had to reconstruct his face. His voice is a lot lower. Because when they changed the sex, the the, the 1960s version of the sex change couldn't change his voice for whatever reason. Or maybe they never can. I don't know. Anyway, I'm not sure how sex changes work. But the voice was still kind of high. Like it's, the actor doing it is obviously a woman with makeup on, and they, they commented like, "I could never get the voice right." Well, the you know scorching your voice with fire will make you have a deep voice, apparently. So now it's Ethan Hawke, deep voice, looks like a guy. But the part that the and this I'm sitting there going, "Oh, oh my god!" And it's like it's all coming together that the pieces are fitting. Yeah. And then the end, you can guess the end, the very the, end. The bomber is Ethan Hawke. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and basically, and then he confronts the bomber. The bomber is like old Ethan Hawke with this crazy, like long hair and great beard and stuff like that. He's like, "No, nah, man, no, I remember all this." It's like, "Yeah, we had to do it. I had to be the the, the inspiration because you saved so many people in all different ways." But this bomber, me being this bomber, you chasing the bomber was your inspiration for it. So, so you wh- saved you saved way more people than you killed as a bomber. But which came first, the chicken or the egg? By the time you get to the end, it's so multifaceted and so multilayered. I'm having a hard... Like, this is one I want to rewatch just so I can wrap my mind around the timeline. Well, okay. But he would have to... He wouldn't exist as a baby. He wouldn't exist as an adult. You see, like, 
time travel sucks. Yeah. Oh no. How well, this is he... not just time travel. This is genetics. Like you can't knock yourself up and give like it's cloning. I don't know. This it doesn't make any sense physically, but narratively, it's fucking crazy. It's awesome. <sighs> so it's I, a human. I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching this from start to finish. I'm like, what? Wait, what? Oh my god, a what? <laughs> human that doesn't have a legitimate mother or father. It's like immaculate conception without. It is. It's even that more is. immaculate than immaculate. Like somebody impregnated themselves to give birth to themselves. That's time travel. <sighs> well, now I got to go watch it. It's it's even knowing that it's actually. I still think you would appreciate it with that knowledge. Yeah, it's actually really good. I really enjoyed it. The whole bomber thing is kind of where it fell apart because they don't flesh it out enough. They just that's almost a twist to have a twist. But having said that, right from the beginning, it's, it's just like, okay, it's a movie about Ethan Hawke. He's a time constable. He's chasing a bomber. It's going to be him. Like, I said that like from minute one. So that wasn't much of a twist. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I like but, that uh, kind of shit. It was. And what I've noticed, a lot of these movies that are what I consider the best thinkers are time travel themed. Primer. Yeah, Primer, definitely. Um, Donnie Darko actually really has a lot of time travel elements to it. Uh, this predestination, even something like Memento, if you think about it, <laughs> it's not well, time travel. From our perspective, it is. Yeah, because you're watching. You're watching it backwards. You're watching like some of it backwards, some of it forward. Right. Yeah. You watch the scenes forward, but the scenes are all in reverse chronological order. Yeah. <sighs> so, like, one of the tropes that annoys me the most is actually fertile ground for one of the genres that I love the most. Weirdly enough, that Twelve is monkeys. Weird. Like I said, it was entry level, but it's still a thinker. Time travel. Time travel, yeah. Um, well, at least Fight Club's not a time travel movie. Until they make the sequel, then. <laughs> <laughs> it was all, uh, I keep want to say Fred Durst. What the hell? Tyler Durden. <laughs> Fred Durst. No, that would be a twist. It was Fred, Fred Durst is Tyler time. Durden. He did it all for the nookie, man. That was the whole point of it. For the nookie? For the nookie. So you can he take did that it cookie. all for the nookie. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, Tyler Durden is a time traveler that possesses his past self. There you go. That's oh, the sequel. God. I want to see that movie. I have to tell you that thinkers are exhausting. Actually, there is a sequel to Fight Club. Now that I think about it, Where it's there a comic is? book. Yeah, the guy that wrote the original book wrote a comic book sequel, and it was batshit insane. And I have no idea what the hell he's. If he broke the fourth wall. He put himself in the story. It was just craziness. Oh, like Stephen King did at the end of the Gunslinger. But they did have an element. It did have something that was intriguing. In that the narrator, they they finally name him. It's Sebastian. He's married to Marla. They have a kid. But Tyler Durden keeps popping up when the narrator's asleep because Marla kind of makes him do it because the sex is better. Like she's bored with Sebastian, <laughs> so she wants Tyler Durden back. So while Tyler Durden's active, he's teaching his son to be Tyler Durden. So it's almost like a mental virus that's passing through generations. Yeah. Like he's teaching his son everything. It's like he's like not even the son doesn't even have his own identity. The son's really just Tyler Durden. It's like almost like it's almost like Tyler Durden is a psychic entity trying to find a new host, but it's not mystical or sci-fi. It's if I was a split personality, my split personality was an asshole. What will my asshole split personality do? Procreate Propagate itself. Yeah. Yeah. Do they have a fight club or is it just, yeah, it's was... weird. They go to Dubai or something. I don't know. I, it, it was, it was weird enough that I just kind of let it go. Forgot about yeah. it. But that one idea I did, I, I thought that was intriguing, like a mental virus that propagates itself through time. And the implication was that the narrator, Sebastian got Tyler Durden from his father. Hmm. I don't know, but that kind of ruins the idea of the first one. So I consider that non-canonical, <laughs> personally. Did you read Fight Club? Did you read the book? No, I never did. It reads like 
Pulp Fiction watches, I guess. <laughs> Very non-linear and for the sake of being crazy on purpose. So it's not just like the movie. Right. So, and I I mean, I like that. I, I like wrapping my mind around that. I mean, I guess you could call Pulp Fiction a thinker too, if you think about it. Yeah, I it is. But I don't know, something just, there was, there was something about that movie that was just exploitation, gratuitous. What can we get away with? <laughs> You know, like, I don't know, I don't, I hesitate to call it guerrilla movie making, but I mean, it was, it was like, um, we're going to take the seedy underbelly of LA and give you a peek in a nonlinear way. Mm -hmm. You know, the mob, um, hit men, the gimp, (laughs) (laughs) um, corrupt boxing matches, you know, it was, it just seemed to me that I love that movie. It's way, way up there for me, but I guess it's it's whatever you want to take away from that one. Yeah. I think a lot of his uh, Quentin Tarantino movies could be thinkers if you wanted them to be. Um, I'd have a hard time. That, that Pulp Fiction might be the only one I would throw into that can. Well, hate, did you ever see Hateful Eight? No, I still haven't seen it. It's worth watching. It's I, I liked it. It's basically you watch it one way and then, you know, two thirds of the way through the movie, they reveal what's actually going on. It's, it's, it is multi-layered. I, I, would, I would probably throw it into a thinker category. In that, you know, once they reveal the key the, to the mystery, you rewatch some scenes and some things are different if you rewatch the scenes type of thing. Hmm. It's, it's not, you know, it's basically on the face of things, not what it seems to be type of thing. Definitely not Kill Bill, which is just a, how much, blood, fest. How much blood can we spill on screen? Oh, but it's so good. Oh, it's so good. It's so over the top. And I love it. It's just yeah. so schlocky. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not knocking it, but. A thinker it the is. The first one. The second one was disappointing. I don't know. Do you think do you think that if he had cut it down a little bit and made one movie that the second half of it wouldn't suffer? Or do you think ah. it was just like an unsatisfying end? Yeah, but if he made one movie out of it, that means he'd have to take away from the first movie and you should never take anything away from that first movie. Pussy wagon, fucking katana fighting and streams of blood shooting up like fountains. Oh, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Thinkers. <laughs> makes you think so yes i love think like i think i mentioned this last week when we we're talking about horror movies thinkers are never as visceral like they never elicit the same emotions like disgust or adrenaline or angst or anything like that like horror movies do but there's a certain intellectual satisfaction when you watch thinkers like especially if you watch it and then you figure out what's going on it's it's like you're proud of yourself there's like an intellectual pride to it yeah do you think that see I feel like I have to be in the mood for something like that because I, when I'm watching a movie for the most part, I want to shut my brain off and just kind of feed my brain something that is going to make my imagination run wild. And like thinking is part of it. So if you take it to another level where you're watching something that's good, but it's also a thinker, I like, I, I almost feel cheated when I watch a movie that's a thinker that I didn't think it was going to be a thinker. (laughs) You you weren't ready for it. Like, no, no, I, I wasn't ready. Like, take I, was, I wasn't ready for this to be a thinker. There, a couple examples. Well, one I can think of that I I just didn't like that I should have. Did you ever see about a boy? It had Hugh Grant? I think it was Hugh Grant. No, it was uh, Ethan Hawke. Actually, it was. I didn't see it, but I know what you're talking about the one that they filmed over. Like they got this kid and they filmed his. his... No, well, that I don't know. I know exactly what one you're talking about. This one, the one I'm talking about, is got Hugh Grant in it. And he like starts dating a woman that's got oh, a kid. Yeah, I think what I think it was like a boy's life or some shit like. Yeah, that. Well, maybe that's it. I don't know. I just I remember watching that and being like almost ambushed that it was a thinker and not like a rom com or something like that. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I feel like I 
I need to be in the mood. And it's certainly not a genre for everything. Like, how disappointed would you be if you sat down to watch, like, the next Captain America and it was a thinker? <laughs> oh, my God, right. Well, okay, I could say, okay, I can honestly say that for the, jeez, uh, I don't know how, I, I'm back to being an, an, an elitist, I guess, because I could say for the larger viewing audience, people would be like, what the fuck? Yeah. I think if I was sitting in the theater and it was this multi-layered spy drama that had, you know, double agents and triple agents and you never knew where who was going where and what was going on and it was Captain America, I'd walk out of the theater going, fuck yeah, that was badass. Well, yeah, but you take it to the next level where it has a message that you're so, like, that's what, maybe I'm making it out to be more than it really is. Like, the, the neo-noir, I mm-hmm. feel like, Almost all thinkers in my head are that neo noir, uh, like shadowy. You, you think know, you're, you, you have think, something. Yeah, I, I feel like predestination the, was like that. You're right. Yeah, I, I just like Donnie Darko, um, yeah. Barton Fink, Mulholland Drive. They're all designed to put you off in a way where you're watching something gloomy and shadowy and like. Dark City. Not, yeah, Dark Like, I want to say that most thinkers are like that. Like, you never have, a, like, a light, airy, bubbly, fun thinker. Right. They all Always got to deal with something depressing. Yeah, an element of depression and, like, and I don't know what that says. Maybe there are more yes. thinkers and I'm just not thinking, I'm not, I'm not able to place one. But to me, the thinkers are really good at making you like look at yourself reflect inward kind of and is that am i getting am i am i the one that is pigeonholing these movies into this one category <laughs> of you know dreary you know weird camera angles you know it, it just no it's not just you cuz i mean if you look if you look up any kind of list of thinkers like like okay i'll just quick dirty google search 15 thinkers x machina did you ever see that one? I haven't, but I know we. You've told me about it because you watched. Really it. good movie. Really downer of an ending about a, a artificial intelligence. The Fountain. Fucking that. I put that in weird for weird sake category. Yeah, I watched that. Shutter Island. Pretty good. That's I. That's a. That's a thinker. That's when you realize what's going on. You rewatch it and all the things that seem like they are one thing on the face of it. But I don't. Super super downer as an ending. Yeah, the one thing I didn't like about that movie which I don't like movies that reveal themselves to be, oh, fooled you, you were looking in, you know, you were in this guy's head the whole time. They Well, I, I hate that too, but Shutter Island is it's not really, it was a head, it was everybody, everybody was playing a, a role. Uh, they're doing a, a joke, on, not a joke, but you know what I mean. Like a Truman Show kind of acting. Yeah, they were all just, they were all, it wasn't in his head, it was, that's why I liked it because it wasn't all just a, a hallucination or a dream or some bull. That's because we talked about this before. I hate more than anything when, oh, it's just a dream. That's such a cop out. So who's, but Shutter Island was real. It was all real from start to finish. It just wasn't what you think it was. Doesn't it, doesn't it end with him realizing it was a hallucination though? I could swear that he makes it to the attic of that lighthouse or whatever. And like what he thought he was seeing, he's not really seeing. Yeah. I, he, it, it, like, what, it was never hallucination. It was the it's the most wacky psychological therapy program ever invented. But it was it ends with a strong implication that he knows it was all fake. He's just choosing to play the role. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen that. But anyway, I didn't mean to derail your list. So you name some more. 
Well, I mean, just the ones, they're all downers. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, uh, Black Swan, Martin Fink is on the list. 2001, which I, as much of a classic as that movie is hailed, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I really think that almost falls in this category of weird for weird's sake, too. Well, it's Kubrick. Yeah. Kubrick is, he was, that was his thing. Uh, 12 Monkeys, Mulholland Drive, Being John Malkovich, which I never saw, Pi, also very weird movie memento and primer so these are like all downers all none of these are very upbeat i mean eternal sunshine for the spotless mind was it had its comedic moments it was a jim carrey movie but for the most part it was a really depressing fucking movie so yeah you're right thinkers are very very much heavy drama there's never a light bubbly comedic thing yeah dark like, I, I wanted i want somebody to tell me if you're listening to this shoot us a message or something saying a very upbeat happy thinker you know I would love to see an example of that. Yeah, because I don't think one exists unless, well, I mean, there's some sci-fi that, like The Matrix, I guess. I mean, it's shadowy, it's sinister, mm-hmm. it's dreary, but it's also an action flick. And yeah. I think something, if you want to look as deep as you possibly can into a movie, like Edge of Tomorrow, which is... I mean, I no, I don't. I would never call that a thinker. No, it's good. I liked it, but it was not. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think of another like sci-fi movie that really forces you to look inward and apply yourself to some of the themes. And um, from what I hear, Ender's Game is like that, which I never saw the movie, but I did read the book, and it is one of those once you once they reveal the twist at the end, you're like, it changes what the entire story up till then was what's actually happening like it sheds a whole new light on what's going on you're like oh my god this is crazy oh that harrison ford's a bad guy uh i like i said i never saw the movie but if it's his role in the book he's not really a bad guy but he is he's in on it you know the ultimate affectation yeah well i, I never saw it either that's not the right word the ultimate oh i mean basically it's a story about this kid in the future who's training to be a soldier he's a genius and he's a mormon because orson scott cards a mormon so all his characters are mormons it's weird but uh <laughs> wasn't he all anti-gay and stuff and they like yeah, yeah well, it was a whole social thing a couple years ago but he's a mormon and that's what mormons are it's super religious they're very hardcore fundamentalist type of thing but yeah basically the whole thing is this kid goes it's like it's like harry potter before harry potter this kid goes to this like space academy learning to be a cadet and he's finding out all these strategies and they're trying to find somebody to to like man their fleet so they put him into this war game type of thing where he's like okay how would you defeat this enemy so he's like okay here we go we would do this this and this he's like kind of remotely controlling looks like a video game mm-hmm. a space fleet come to find out he was actually controlling a space fleet the real fleet the whole time and fighting so, an alien species so the last starfighter yeah well except the last starfighter knew what he was doing this kid thought he was just playing a game basically and he was actually remote controlling the entire fleet to fight aliens and it's kind of cool and it sheds a light on all kinds of things that were said throughout the story. And, but that he feels bad about wiping out an alien species. So he goes and tries to salvage them. And there's a whole there's a whole series of books that are sequels to this. I only read the first one. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, it was that's a pretty solid sci-fi type of thing. Without really being sci-fi, they never show the alien. They kind of show the training as at zero G. So that's kind of sci-fi. But just the concepts of it are very intriguing. Like they, they threw... I mean, they threw basically they have the military saying we're gonna put all our trust in this kid who doesn't even know that he's doing the real thing for real i don't know it's kind of cool interesting westworld's kind of a thinker yeah well i remember you when you said that you never want to sit down with thinkers unless you have somebody you can talk to with it i immediately thought yeah. of westworld yeah that 
that to me was like it begs to have a collective opinion. You know what I mean? Any, anything that you can say, what's the theory about this? I I would put it in the category of a thinker. Yeah. If it's multi-layered and complex enough that you have theories about what's happening, that's a thinker. So a lot of fantasy novels are thinkers because there's clues that you didn't know were clues. There's you know scenes that are symbolic of something that's going on that's entirely different. Well, story yeah. storylines that are woven together in such a way that like one thing affects another thing way in the future. One of my favorite examples of this is a uh, it's Game of Thrones, the the Song of Ice and Fire. If you're watching the first season or reading the first book the whole sequence where ned stark is figuring out that every time a baratheon and a lannister get together the kid looks like a baratheon mm-hmm. it works in the short term for figuring out that seriously lannister's kids are not actually robert baratheon's kids mm-hmm. but it's a symbol for later on replace baratheon and lannister with stark and targaryen uh-huh and you get Jon Snow, who doesn't look anything like a Targaryen. It's a, it's a, it's an Easter egg. It's a, it's a hint because Starks they always they they throw these little hints around the Stark look. Okay, what's the Stark look? Dark hair, you know, bushy hair. Mm-hmm. What's the Targaryen look? Very pale, white hair, lavender eyes. He's never gonna come out and say, oh, any time a Stark and a Targaryen got together, they were dark haired. That would be too obvious. So they he replay he symbolized that with. Lannisters and Baratheons. It was it was a it's a long game. It's and that's so cool. I love that stuff. That's a thinker. That's definitely a thinker. And there's more, you know, the more than just that in there. There's a very good structured sci-fi fantasy story. The best ones in my book will have something that you can read if you read up to book six and there's a big reveal that shatters your entire worldview about what's going on in the series. You can go back to book one and see hints of that that you never picked up on before. <laughs> that's what I love. That's what well. That's what I'm trying to make. Right. Whether it's going to work or not, we'll see. But <laughs> Well, when you get to book six. When I, I, I'm not making six books. Five at the most. <laughs> That's what you say now, but when you're making yeah. 20 million per copy. <laughs> yeah, right. You sure, you, good point. Yeah. Yeah. They can entice you. <laughs> so have we done thinkers justice or do you have more? I think I've, I think I've pondered on the thinking about the thought that i'm 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 exhausted with it i got nothing more to say about it i i I thought i thought it through i think i thought it through i think i can well let's let's give everybody some homework yeah if if you have not watched memento absolutely go watch memento well first slap yourself because what's wrong (laughs) with you and then watch memento yeah um i wouldn't recommend primer for everybody no that's oh my god okay gonna sound elitist again you and me were two fairly intelligent people both of us watched that movie going and we got done going what the fuck did i just watch yeah like it's like i talked about this in a past episode where there's this you can watch youtube clips where they using graphics spell out what's happening start to finish mm-hmm. and you realize once you watch that yeah i didn't pick up on any of that the first time <laughs> or very little of that the first time yep but it's super engaging it's super like okay what Wait, what? Wait, just, how does this fit in? How? What just happened here? Well, the filmmaker has a degree in mathematics and was an engineer. Yeah, that makes and sense. Decided to, decided to make a movie on like a seven thousand dollar budget, and it's <laughs> which also makes sense. Yeah, but it's a good movie, and it keeps you engaged the whole time, and it makes you when the movie is over, it makes you think. It absolutely makes you think. It makes you want to rewatch it to try to make sense of it again, to yeah. try to make more sense. So, which is. 
second category, like I said, the rewatch to try to figure out what's going on. Definitely watch Memento. You're doing yourself a disservice by not watching Memento right now. Yes. Proceed with caution with Primer. That should be something. Be ready for it. Be in a state of mind for it. Yes. Um, Any Kubrick movie is a thinker. The Shining. The Shining, yeah. Is a, definitely is a, a dweller. Definitely a, I got to yep. rewatch what this symbolism means, what this scene is really trying to say. Um, But 2001 Space Odyssey, it is what it is. Um, You know, it could be anything you want it to be. But um, what are some other... I know you, Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko, one. I still say, if you're going to watch it, either look at the website or watch the director's cut. Um. Any of those entertaining thinkers, like The Usual Suspects, 12 Monkeys? Um, I still say Mulholland Drive. I know you disagree, but I still say Mulholland Drive is good, even without the hot lesbian scene. <laughs> but it's still good. It's still a very stylistic. The, the music is good. The soundtrack's good. So if nothing else, you're going to get an experience that you'll remember, even if you can't figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah. Um, I would avoid like Barton Fink. Unless mm. you have another person that is watching it that you can talk to, yeah, I'd, because, I'd say the same with Primer too. That's another. That's you need somebody to sit down and, if not while you're watching it, then somebody you can talk to immediately with afterwards. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Um. And I just I I cannot recommend Punch Drunk Love. I if you want <laughs> to torture yourself, I mean, scratch your fingernails down a chalkboard for an hour and you'll get the same effect. It, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Maybe a second watching would change things for me. Mm-hmm. Go Ed, If you're curious, go watch the trailer, and you'll get everything you need to know about that movie in the trailer. It it's is... It's like a love story with mentally challenged people or something. I don't... And I, I, I barely remember the trailer, so... Yeah, it's terrible. It's a terrible movie. I can't... Well, recommend. The Box is the same way. That's just a weird for weird sake. It's annoying. It doesn't make any sense, and I don't think it's... I that, when I say weird for weird sake, I think those are movies that are made and they're not supposed to make. Sense. Yeah, they know that they throw a bunch of gobbledygook up there that people will throw their own interpretations. But. However, let's hook everybody with an awesome premise. You push a button and we're going to give you a million dollars. However, somebody that you don't know, a random person that you don't know in this world, is going to die. Yeah, like it's like a it's like a moral quandary that you post to students. Right. Then we're going to throw this whole movie around there with like zombified people that travel through weird. water. Portals. Yeah. It's just, what the hell? Yeah. Now when I say zombified, I don't mean zombies. I mean, just like detached. mindless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would avoid that, but because it was you know, zombies. It'd be cool. <laughs> right. Uh, so I think that we can close the door and think, sure. Let's shut the door. We said, we said our bit. So you had something new you wanted to try out, right? Yes, I do. I have something new. I want to try. A new segment about it. Uh, a new segment I would like to call "Name That Movie," <laughs> uh, and it's going to be just like "Name That Tune." Only I'm going to start naming details to a movie, and you're going to tell me what the movie is. I'm ready. And will I'll go slow? Okay. I, I won't. Oh, what? What are you saying? I need to go slow. No, I'm saying that each note that I play, <laughs> each detail I give you, probably will need a moment to digest. No, I'm already offended. I think you call me dumb. <laughs> I'm just that's how I'm taking it. That's how I choose to take it. Okay. Shall we begin? Let's begin. The first detail is it's a movie from nineteen eighty. Oh well I got you. Boom, done. <laughs> uh <laughs> it is a comic movie and a movie based on a comic. Superman. No. 
Uh, George Lucas wanted to buy the rights to make this movie, but it was too expensive. So instead, he made Star Wars Episode Four. Oh, I gotcha. You know what it is? Did Queen do a song for this? One movie? of my details was going to be uh... the soundtrack was done by a rock band. <laughs> Flash! Oh, oh, he can do the impossible. <laughs> He saved every one of us. <laughs> Flash Gordon. Gordon. Yes. You you got that in three or four details. I don't know. That I want to say four. 80, 19, George 19, Lucas. 1980, George Lucas, based on a comic. Based on a comic. Three. Three details. Very good. Yeah. Not too shabby. Right. And and really, you can't count that first one, because 1980, that was a broad stroke. That was about, yeah, that give me, well, let me give me a timeline. So if you, would, if you wouldn't have said 1980. Yeah. Well, the George Lucas thing might have helped, actually, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Because, well, I mean, George Lucas... I he know wanted to do, yeah, so. he wanted to do a space opera. And yeah, he wanted yeah, to do exactly. Flash Gordon. And it was too expensive. So he <laughs> said, fuck you, I'll make my own and become a billionaire. So <laughs> yeah. eat some shit. See, between Star Wars and Flash Gordon, one was a little more successful than the other. I'm wondering. But here's... But one a, didn't have Queen as a doing the soundtrack for it, so I don't know. Well, it wouldn't be the same movie. Because flash gordon from start to finish was a hot mess oh god yeah it was behind the scenes it was absolutely one of the worst productions ever it was terrible however that little detail leads me to believe that if george lucas had been successful in obtaining the rights to make flash gordon as a space opera we might not have star wars yeah maybe we all be geeked up for the new reboot of you know who's gonna play ming you know shit like that right and the guy that played Ming was in Star Wars Episode Seven. Oh, really? Yeah, he was that mystery Jedi robed guy in the very beginning, and he hands the he has the first lines of Episode Seven. Was that Max the, von Sydow or something? Like yes. That? Yep. And he, he hands, was Ming. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was Ming. Um, He's also the uh, three eyed crow in Game of Thrones. Yep. Wow, I didn't realize that. Yep. Uh, did you know that they've already leaked the uh, episode eight. <laughs> Wait, you like the whole movie? Um, not the whole movie. However, they the twist. yes, everything's been revealed. Have you heard it? It is no. I told you, I am avoiding it. I am yeah, avoiding well, it like the I plague. Mean, you did avoid the Game of Thrones spoilers, so I avoided the last episode spoiler, ah. except the fact that you predicted everything. That's true. <laughs> except for the Sansa. If you listen to the was the last episode when I said Sansa was going to get stabbed by Arya, I think that should have happened. But it didn't. Everything else I said came true. That brings up a very interesting thing that I want to talk about. First of all, let me finish my thought about Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Tops made a series of trading cards. Mm -hmm. As they do. As they do. And one of those trading cards is a list of all the cards. You know how you get like... Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That list, the checklist with all the cards mm -hmm. on it. With very explicit details. Tops has posted that for hmm. everybody to read they retracted it but not before the internet captured it like they do um they did the same exact thing for episode seven only they revealed it afterwards but the checklist card revealed on in retrospect it revealed everything so had they put out that checklist card before the hmm. movie everybody would have known about uh all the details there would have been no surprises <laughs> like here's hand laying dead on the catwalk yeah Oh, Han Solo's dead? Oh, yeah. uh, anyway. Oh, Chewie doesn't care? Okay. Um, he already no. cared. Well, he cared at the time because he's like, fuck, I failed. <laughs> My job in life was 
to protect Han, and I did not. Oh, that so. little little bit of a divergence. I apologize, but that does remind me. Did you see the thing about Target and uh, Bethesda? No. So I guess Target's website had Bethesda is the game maker for Fallout series, the Elder Scrolls series, like the, the Skyrim. Yep. And I think I guess Target's website has this thing called Bethesda Game of Thrones, really? which is implying that Bethesda is working on an open world. Game of the people that made Skyrim are going to make an open world Game of Thrones video game, and I guess they they haven't announced it. So Target quickly took it down, like they accidentally put it up there. <laughs> but now everybody's like, "What the fuck? They're going to make an open world Game of Thrones? Oh my god!" Well, do you know later this year they're going to have a Game of Thrones um, app for your phone that's a game? I'm sure it's going to be fun for five minutes and then get annoying. Apparently, it's going to be a strategy real time. Oh, can you? Can you sit on the Iron Throne? Do you have the chops to get your house to be a powerhouse in the Game of Thrones in Westeros? That's later this year. But um, anyway, what I wanted to talk about, somebody was, I was talking to somebody the other day about what turns me off from TV shows mm-hmm. and why I didn't like The Walking Dead anymore and why I don't, you know, why I turn my back on TV shows based on stupid details. And like, I had a really good example. Um, and it was in Game of Thrones. There's a character, Mira Reed. Mm-hmm. You know who she is? Yeah, she's the one. She's pounding around with Bran. She's the girl that has been with Bran for like in the TV show, like three seasons. But she's she's the one that leads him, her brothers, Jojen, Jojen, Jojen Reed, and they've been together since what season three? Is that correct? Yeah, at least I'd say. So she leads, she helps lead him to the Three-Eyed Raven. She's the one that rescues him when Hodor is holding the door. Mm-hmm. She and Bran are like the sole survivors north of the Wall. Right. They've been together every single day for Bran's puberty, for right. Bran's... They have been together through thick and thin. What did she get in Season 7 when they come back she to got Winterfell? A, see you later. Have fun. Yeah. Get the fuck out, basically. Mm-hmm. She got a, you know, bye. She says, like, emotionally, I, I have to go be b- with my people. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, yeah, you know. The fuck it's supposed to be here. an illustration of how dead inside brands become type of thing. I know, but this is what I don't like about it. They've been together every single day. They've been together for every meal. They've scrounged for everything that they have mm-hmm. together. They've been together for every squatting shit in the woods. They've been together fending off everything that was bad. They've been together this whole time. And yet, this is how they act. <laughs> and I'm not knocking Game of Thrones because I know that they have to throw a whole bunch of shit in the trash just so they can move on. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of that. What I'm not a fan of is when a character acts differently than what you've built them up to be right when like why would she be cool with that yeah like bullshit that's bullshit they were for lack of better terms they were a couple they were yeah tied at the hip well actually no i take that back i absolutely take that all of it back right now because you know she was sick of his shit <laughs> so you got a abs- brother killed you got hodor killed you got your okay because you were yeah, stupid. all right i figured it out now never well, mind it, it helps in the book there's it's pretty flat out stated that he's head over heels in love with her. Yeah. That he's like unrequited. Like, I wish she knew how much I, I loved her. And, you know, he's like, he's got a bad for her. I I want that. That's what I want. I don't want the ho-hum, get the fuck out because we've yeah, spent yeah, yeah. every waking second together. So what I'm getting at 
is like Rick Grimes. How many times has he changed character? How many times has he just set sail the, whichever way the wind is blowing? Yeah. Like, that's not the character I wanted. I mean, you stopped watching a while ago, and he's flip-flopped his personality a few times since then. So. Right. Well, and, and, like, I don't want vanilla characters doing exactly what they're supposed to do. I want characters that are going to react the way you've told me they're going to react. Yeah. Don't just for shock sake, have somebody do something completely ridiculous because you want to shock me. If you want, if you want that character to do something different, like Built dictate it. it, dictate it. You know what I mean? Shane was a great character. There was no denying what Shane was the whole time. Yeah. I loved that character of Shane, even to the moment he died and he had a spectacular death. And I love that scene where they're up on the hill and they're getting ready to kill each other and they're getting ready to draw on each other. They're both, yeah. you know, former police officers with gun training. Like you've seen how Rick can draw fast. Shane is a brutal killer and he's, you know, they're up on that hill. Like, let's call this what it is. You know, mm-hmm. I'm here to kill you. You're here to kill me. Let's get it on. That's what I expect from those two characters. And then, like, Divergent, Divergent, yeah. uh, Rick goes and, you know, can't tie his fucking shoes. Like, you just showed me Rick being the baddest motherfucker up on the hilltop. That's the Rick I want to see until something knocks him down a peg. Don't just make him be a whiny little turd that <laughs> answers a telephone because he's hearing things. I don't, like, eh, whatever. I don't like The Walking Dead because of that. But, like, that's one of the things I really hate about script writing and television or whatever. I don't even know where they dropped the ball. I just wish that like they had somebody like me watching it. And as, <laughs> soon, as soon as a moment like that happens, you can be like, time out. That person would not do that. That actor or that character would not do that. If you want them to do that, come up with a better way to make them do that. Force them into that decision, not have them be stupid because you've told me up until this point, they're smart. Like Maggie. Yeah. How do you, you know, I've said it a hundred times. I know. I'm sorry. But how do they introduce Maggie? She's on, horse, on a horse. Yeah. She's on horseback and smashes a zombie's face with a baseball bat. And like, come with me if you want to live kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then like the next episode, they're showing her whining about them mistreating a zombie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. You introduced Maggie as a badass. Now, you better keep her a badass until something else happens. Uh What's the blonde? What, Andrea. What's, Andrea. How did they introduce Andrea? Well, they introduced her as like bluffing, like trying to act like she knew what she was doing, but not knowing what she was doing. Like I'm telling you, she was in that department store and she wheels Rick around, puts a gun right in his face and says, right. You, but she was like, she was like put on a show. Like she really didn't know what the fuck she was doing. That was the thing. I didn't think that was obvious. Yeah. I think that they made her be this badass chick for whatever reason. They made her like, push but by the time, around by but, the time she ended she couldn't see the, she she was hook lying single by the governor she, yeah you're right like but but i mean even before that she couldn't use a gun she was inept when she was trapped in the rv like don't don't introduce these people one way and then have them do something i don't remember where i was <laughs> andrea yeah. maggie they all suck but you you take a show like breaking bad and those characters for what it's worth all did what you expect those characters to do. Like that was the brilliance of Breaking Bad because Walt in the first episode, Walt in the last episode were not even remotely the same character, but you saw 
right. that journey. Right. It's not like he kept doing things that were out of character. Right. Like Jesse, everything he did was pure Jesse. Yeah. Walt, everything he did. Skylar, they were like everybody had a descent into some sort of problem. Like they had their peaks and their valleys, but nobody did anything out of character. Mm. Like everything they did was what their character would do. That's what made that show really, really good. For the most part, Game of Thrones does that. Like, Cersei is a backstabbing bitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jon Snow is going to do the right thing. Uh, all the Stark were going to do the right thing. Rob Stark. Right, right. Caitlin Stark does, even when she lets Jamie Lannister go, like, they build that as this is going to be a monumental bad decision, but she's going to do it because it's what she believes. It wasn't something fruity that she just decided to do because it was going to be better for the show. Yeah. Like, for the most part, Games, Game of Thrones gets it. Um, I can't wait to find out why the Night King didn't kill Jon Snow. When he- I feel like they're going to establish some kind of connection between him and Starks. I don't know. Yeah. Like, did you hear the theory that Bran is the Night King? Yeah, I like did. Time travel. Time travel! Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll be a hard one to swallow, but um, anyway, I was just trying to describe what, like, I have certain things that ruin TV for me. That's one of them. When a character... really bad plot holes. Like, I can, like, I'm with you with the bad characterization, but that's secondary for me to bad, just gigantic plot holes that make no logical logical sense. That, oh, I hate that so much. I can't get past that for the most part. Unless a movie is supposed to be schlocky, like The Naked Gun. Okay, plot holes are the name of the game. That's what it's all well, about. That's fine. That, that's the point. Comedy gets a pass. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. You're right. We've already talked about that. But, um, but you know, Batman Superman. Oh, God, no. Irredeemable. <laughs> Irredeemable. Um, I watched a, uh, there was a Amazon series. They're only like two minutes long. I can't remember the name of them, but they take 8-bit artwork. Mm-hmm. It's one of the Machinima things. Yeah. And they take eight bit artwork from computer from video games, and they uh, they just make cartoons. And it this is like uh, they had Boba Fett versus the Predator and stuff like that. They had Doomsday versus Thanos. I I thought you might like to see that. That was pretty funny. Hmm. I'm not going to tell you who wins. Is it comedy or is it like a straight up? This is what would happen. No, 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 no. It's all comedy. It's all oh. like their dialogue while they're fighting is hilarious. <laughs> so that's worth checking out. Um. So. When you came up with this uh, describe a movie thing, yes, I'm quite sure you were getting that, but I did come up with something myself. Oh, did you? Oh, but it's more of the vein of uh, <laughs> what, what is it? Was that thing that was going on? Describe a movie badly. Yes. So I came up with something like that. I, I, I wanted to give it a shot. I think it's probably pretty easy. I, I don't want to set you up that way. <laughs> Unreasonable expect, but I came up with a couple of them. Okay. Okay. So here's the description. A uh, because of normal business practices from a financial financial institution a young boy is forced feels like he's forced to lie steal and endanger the lives of his friends and families to help himself out and in the process despoils some very uh noteworthy artifacts and archaeological finds well you talking raiders of the lost ark no young boy oh a young boy yes a young boy is forced to lie steal and endanger his friends and family because of normal business practice from a financial institution. That is hard. <laughs> I took all the joy out of it. A young boy. Oh, um, Night at the he's Museum. Not alone. It's an 80s movie. He's he's not alone when he does all these things, too. That's really hard. <laughs> I'm proud of myself now. Yeah. What is it? Goonies. Oh, son of a... Yeah. 
Because a bank's doing what a bank does for yeah, closing right. on properties. No, that's, that's right. No, I I was thinking like I couldn't get off Young Indiana Jones and shit like that. <laughs> I, I got I got one more too. Okay. Okay, I got one more. I'll try my hardest. All right, this one might be easier. Let's see. A naive old man creates a school for violent uh, violent teens, violent youth, where none of the teachers are certified to teach, and then he takes in drifters to help him fight his best friend. Is that another eighties movie? No, it's a late X-Men. 90s. X-Men. X-Men. Yeah. It's X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun game. I'll come up with something for next week. Well, I, I looked out, I, I clicked on, uh, can you guess the family explained film plot? Yeah. Some of these were kind of funny. Like there's a, there's an easy one. Like, a boy befriends a bearded hermit and two gay robots goes into space, knocks his sister and kills his dad. Star Wars. Oh yeah. But uh, let's see. There was one that made me laugh. Well, that was, that was Return of the Jedi, right? Or are you talking like Star Wars on the whole? Well, I mean, I'm just looking at a web page here, but uh, I think it's just the first Star Wars because the bearded hermit wasn't in the other ones. Well, not technically. But he doesn't kill his dad until the last. Okay, here's one. Well, that's true. Does he actually kill his dad? Can you say he killed his dad? Well, they he wins a lightsaber duel. That's true. Cuts he off. takes the mask. He takes a mask off, which hastens it. So technically, that's right. It's like assisted suicide. <laughs> it's youth in space. Youth in space. Youth in Asia. But this one made me laugh. I, I like this one. So a man buys a singing rabbit from China, from Chinatown. Rabbit gets wet, breeds lizards, lizards destroy town. Gremlins. <laughs> I like that one. That's pretty good. Yeah, that is a good one. What about straight up trivia? What do you have for a straight up trivia question? You want me to do my trivia question first? Oh, I'll go first. Mine, Mine's quick. Mine's a very okay. short trivia question. Hit me. So, uh, the movie Psycho mm-hmm. was the first American film to show what on screen? <laughs> See, the remake of Psycho, Kevin Smith does this podcast where he swears up and down that the remake of Psycho, you can see Anne Heche's butthole. What? When she's in the shower, when she collapses and bends over or whatever, the camera zooms in and if you pause it, you can see her you know, her brown eye. <laughs> okay. I'm I mean, guessing that's not the answer to your question, so. It's close. <laughs> it's the first yeah. time they show a, sh- a woman in a shower? No. Ah. Uh, it, you're in the right room. It's the first time they show they show ass in that movie. It's been so long since I saw that movie. No, I don't know. You're in the correct room in the house, in the bathroom. The first time they show blood going down a drain. It's the first time in an American movie they showed a toilet flushing. Really? Yes. Oh my god! Isn't that weird? That seems so odd. Yes. Wait, why was the toilet flushing? I don't even remember that. I think she flushes a bunch of stuff down the toilet. It's not oh. even a turd. So it's not like a turd going doing the loop. <laughs> No, but still, it's the first time they showed. That would have blown everybody's mind. Can you imagine? 1960s. Like, what? Is that turd going down the toilet? I'm out of here, Martha. We're going home. Uh, He was a tyrant with. No, I don't want to call him a tyrant. He was adamant that people watched that movie from the beginning. Apparently, at the time, it was very commonplace for people to show up in the middle of a movie. And he, Alfred Hitchcock, like placed standees and things in the lobby that it told people not to walk in halfway through mm-hmm. and went so far as to send um things to movie theaters to play over the loudspeakers saying you know psycho starts in 15 minutes don't be late psycho starts in 10 minutes don't be late find your wow. seat psycho starts in five minutes he was like in, like he was crazy about people seeing it from <laughs> start to finish it he was psycho about it. Huh? He huh? was yeah. psycho. But he almost, um, more psycho trivia, he almost, he didn't like it. 
Like it, it didn't do what he thought it was going to do. So he had cut that down to be like almost a made for TV kind of not quite feature like the film. And, uh, as soon as the guy put the music to it, he knew that he had something on his hand, <laughs> but he it almost, if, if he had had his way, it would be on TV and not a big deal. Yeah, Until, nobody would, would remember yeah. it today. Nope. See, my favorite fact about Psycho, and I talked about this last week, is the guy that wrote the book was a devotee of H.P. Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Huh? And Alfred Hitchcock bought as many copies of that book as he could to keep it out of the hands of people so he could protect the twist. That's funny. Yep. Wow. Huh. Yeah, Alfred Hitchcock. There we go. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's see. What's mine? Mine is, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase it. It's a historical fact type of trivia. Okay. So, okay, in the 1200s, there's a pope, Pope Gregory the Ninth. Oh, yes, Gregory the Ninth. Yes, I'm familiar. Good old Greg. Yep. He called him Greggy Beggy to his friends. I <laughs> don't know why. That was weird. Anyways, <laughs> Greggy Beggy. It uh, yeah, you know, alliterate was well, not alliteration. That's not the right word. It rhymed. So in the 1200s in Europe, a little thing called the Black Death happened. Mm-hmm. Killed 100 million people at least. The reason why it was so severe is because Pope Gregory didn't like a certain animal. Can you think what animal that would be? I am going to go out on a limb and say feline. <gasps> you got it. Because the black, the plague was spread by rats or mice or whatever, right? Well, by the fleas on rats, but yeah. Yeah. So therefore there weren't, he must have, what did he offer like a bounty on cat pelts? He didn't have to. All he had to do, he's a Pope. He associated cats with devil worship. As one does. Well, I, I'm guessing this is where our whole idea of black cats and witches and shit like that comes from. But he associated cats with devil worship. So cats throughout Europe were exterminated in droves. So when the plague rats came over, that's what cats are good for, killing rats. It's about the yep. only thing they're good for. And uh, yeah, the, the rats were able to spread like wildfire. And boom, Man, those like popes, they can't, they can't do anything right, can they? Oh, no. The Black Death was a good thing. Oh, was it? Well, you, did that like single-handedly save our planet probably see that it's weird it's one of those things where it's like it's like the idea of if you could go back in time and kill hitler as a baby would you and i would say no world war ii the holocaust they were horrific but things are better because of it <laughs> it's like the wildfire that burns down the old forest so new trees can come up type of thing i'm just gonna go ahead and edit that out of the spot <laughs> <laughs> okay not the holocaust the Holocaust didn't need you to happen. Were, World War II. Super villain. World War II. Yeah, that was that was a bad faux pas on my part. Not the Holocaust. The Holocaust could have never happened, and that would have been fine. <laughs> but World War II in general, things are better because of it. You want to make some enemies. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't think that through. <laughs> uh, uh, but so... the Black Death, basically the Black Death came through because it just annihilated the population in Europe. Mm-hmm. The whole surf system collapsed. Like the whole idea of peasants that had to work the land for almost nothing because that's the only way they could live. They worked on the nobles' land. Because there's so few workers left, nobles had to start actually paying people to work on their land. Oh, my. And that got rid of, like, that That was the first real establishment of a middle class. Hmm. And it kind of broke the uh, mystique over the priesthood. Like everybody, you know, up until then, the priests are infallible. They know the word of God. They Whatever they say goes. Well, during the Black Death, priests were dying just as much as everybody else. And they, no matter how hard they prayed, didn't change anything. You had the flagellants who would go around the countryside whipping themselves in imitation of Christ getting whipped on his way to the cross, hoping that that act of self-sacrifice would appease God. Yep, they still died. And uh, so, so, since it broke the whole mystique of the priesthood, that led the 
path to the Renaissance and the Enlightenment and scientific inquiry. And well, mm-hmm. if these priests don't know what they're talking about all the time, maybe we should figure another way to figure out how things work. And so, yeah, in the end, a lot of people died. It was net good. And that's the bleak, depressing thing. And I am not a Holocaust uh, uh, no, advocate. I'll, I'll I am do. not. I swear to God. <laughs> I won't. We'll get rid of that. No, we won't. You want to keep it in? No, I'll own it. I, I, you know, people could take what it could take. I, you, if anybody knows me, I, I'm not like an anti-Semitic Jew hating. The Holocaust was evil, and it happened. It was real. It was wrong. I'm not advocating the Holocaust. World War II in general, yeah, it kind of cleared out the old rubbish of old Europe and the colonialism and set the pace for America to become the global police and Pax Americana and globalization, which has been a net good, and yeah, it's a whole politics thing. Anyways, but... Holocaust bad. I cannot say that enough. Holocaust bad. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) Say something bad about the Holocaust just so we're all on the same page. I'm not going (laughs) to. Now it's your problem. You can't say something (laughs) bad about the Holocaust? Oh, the Holocaust was bad. Okay, there you go. Masters Masters for Fundication, not endorsing the Holocaust. Uh, I am. I used to be fan of history. Like. (laughs) In history, you were a fan of history. No, I'm no. I used to watch a lot of History Channel. I used to like get books. Like I had a lot of coffee table books. I've got a box somewhere here of like, um, like history. World War Two, Civil War. You know, pictures, facts, maps, battle plans. You know, I used to have all that kind of stuff. And I don't know what happened. I just it stopped appealing to me. Huh. I don't know. I don't know what happened because I don't know if I fell victim to that whole World War Two movie deluge. Yeah, just you know, Saving Private Ryan was so good. But even before that, I was a fan of like history. I I went to Gettysburg as an adult. Hmm. You know, not it was just it was something that I had like a little bit of a passion for to you know learn as much as I could about why the people did what they did back then and. You know, I I was really interested in like the people that made it happen and the gears of the times, not just Civil War. I'm talking World War Two. And now that I mention it, I wasn't really into World War One. Like you know, people really are. World War Two really takes the yeah. I mean, away from everybody. There's there's a big romanticizing like these waves of romanticizing wars and world war ii gets a a big chunk of that because like i think it was so close well it's also very very i mean it might be the the most black and white war america's ever been in there was the good guys and the bad guys the bad guys were really bad because the holocaust is bad (laughs) say it again the holocaust is bad the holocaust is very horrible um yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why World War II is very romantic. Plus, we emerged from World War II as the superpower, so it's very our national legend. It's yeah. integral. And um, I guess the same goes for the Civil Civil War. Like, yeah, it was a different time. I World War II was still our time. Maybe not our generation, but you know, the type of warfare was the same or, or closer to modern times. Whereas mm. Civil War, it was still you know, regiments lining up against each other. And, you know, there was... It's a, you almost, well, it's almost like a medieval fight. I mean, the technology was... Right. So it's so far removed from what we have now that... Right. But, like, the struggle of the people and, you know, just the way they lived and these huge armies marching long distances to get to battle. <laughs> you know, like, you'd have a, an army marching and, and immediately get into a, a fight 
after marching many, many miles and being tired and, you know, you had brother <laughs> fighting brother and I don't know. I just, there was, it was very much romanticized with uh, movies, Gettysburg, Glory, things like that. So I had an interest in those types of things, but for whatever reason, like that doesn't appeal to me like it used. To. I don't, I don't have my, you know, airplanes of World War II coffee table book out for everybody to read when they come over or i'm not flipping through you know the photographs of the civil war and i don't know what it is is it is it the entertainment industry that is pushing me away from that or is that just it has my brain filled with that stuff and i've moved on i don't know what that is that's an interesting you can always go in waves like you you're into something for a while then you kind of get your fill of it you might go back to it you know like i you know growing up i used to read nothing but fantasy and sci-fi I haven't, I've barely ever read a full fantasy sci-fi novel in the last, like maybe in the last 15 years, I've read three or four. Well, hmm. 15's pushing it. In the last 10 years, I've maybe read three or four. But I read a lot of, like, I've, I'm the opposite of you. Now I'm into reading history and stuff like that. Like, I just read a book called, well, for the second time, War, What Is It Good For? And it's an examination of what war, the act of war has given us as a society, as a civilization over the years. And basically, the premise is, we only have civilization because of war. It's a lot to get into, but it's, it's highly recommended. But it's it's not it's a nonfiction. It's it's a historical examination, and that's the kind of stuff I'm actually in reading now. So yeah. like we all go through waves. We all go through phases where like I you know you know some people that will never get sick of a certain genre, a certain you know category. But for the most part, I, th- I feel like we all just we get you know we get soaked. We get we're done. Yeah, and we move on. Yeah, I, I I feel like that. Uh, I I was interested in that for the longest time, though. I mean, I can remember writing papers yeah. in, in high school. I didn't care about any other subject other than history. Like, history was my jam. I loved history class. I, I delved into it. I got A's on my paper. You know, I, I did really well. Where I struggled in other classes, I did really well in history. Well, and then, ask, ask yourself this. When's the last time you forced yourself to sit down and read a book on history? Or something? You, might, you might surprise yourself. You might be get that old spark back going again. Yeah, maybe. I there's a lot of like I have a book about Ben Franklin that I have had on my shelf. I actually borrowed it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, years ago, and it's been sitting on the shelf. It's like I'll get it back to you when I get it back to you, kind of thing. And it, I just haven't read it. So and, do I. I have one that's sitting in my locker at work that I bought that I read maybe the first twenty pages of and never got back around to reading again. I tell ben you what, Franklin specifically. I, I I take it back. I listened to a book, two books on tape. One was, they're both the Bill O'Reilly books. Mm-hmm. Um, Killing. One of them was Killing Lincoln, yeah. which was, that was fascinating. I I did like that. It didn't really whet my appetite to get back into listening to history, but I, I listened to the, um, another one he did. It was much shorter. I can't remember what it was now, but like, it didn't really do much for me. I didn't, yeah. didn't feel like, oh, now I got to go dig out all my old pictures from when I went, when I lived in North Carolina, I used to go to battleground hmm. i don't know i i was fascinated with the history i really yeah, I mean, enjoyed gettysburg i that was a fun trip i went there as the classroom so i was like six yeah. Hmm. yeah okay well this has been the um history hour <laughs> with the uh holocaust haters no no the haters of holocaust what's the difference i don't know i feel like they say holocaust hater it's like holocaust denier that's just me i don't know it's weird <laughs> Yeah, I suppose. Like, I'm so sick of people talking about the Holocaust. <laughs> Quit talking about it. I like, hate Holocaust. <laughs> uh, yes, Holocaust bad. I'll say it again. Holocaust so bad. It was Please terrible. Don't. Please don't 
get your hate crime legislation because of us or something. Oh, God. Nobody's going to know what we're talking about because I'm going to go back and I'm going to delete that. <laughs> no, leave it in. We will not apologize. We apologize later. Oh, crap. We did say that in the disclaimer, didn't no, we? No, no. I'm not apologizing. I'm just illuminating. I'm explaining. I, I never once said I, I was just fleshing it out. Okay, so now I'm confused. Do I leave it in I'll, or do I delete it? Leave it in. Leave it in. Fuck it. Leave it in. Leave it all in. All right. Okay. I don't. I don't know how I feel about that. Because if somebody fine. turns off the podcast right at that moment, you're gonna get death threats. Yeah, but you. Uh, you jumped in pretty good. You saved me pretty quick. I think. Was, uh, you know, if you're not willing to give somebody the benefit of the doubt, then screw you. Yeah, oh, I'm gonna turn okay. it back around. Screw all you people. <laughs> I turn it back around. Go fuck yourselves. Oh God, this has gone off the rails so <laughs> hard. <sighs> well, until next time. <laughs> I'm uh Jew Jew lover Tom. <laughs> I'm just gonna say I'm Bob Gregory Beggary Scully. <laughs> Call it good. Oh, okay. Well dip me in your money milk. Dip me in your money milk. Oh, Pull up no, that yeah. eel and call it slimy. Squeamy? Squishy. Slinky. Slinky. Alright. Adios. I like it I like it the slinky. I like the slinky. Bye. <laughs>